incredibly, a rider of a thousand pound horse can make that horse turn to the left or to the right using this little gadget. It's a tiny yet powerful instrument. The second thing that James mentions in this passage is a rudder. I don't have a rudder with me this morning, but instead I brought a canoe paddle. It's not too heavy. It doesn't look like much, but incredibly, a steers person can make a canoe that weighs 1,500 pounds when it's fully loaded turn to the left or turn to the right on the ocean using this little gadget as a rudder. It's a tiny yet powerful instrument. The next thing that James mentions is a flame of fire. So I brought with me a lighter. And if it works, there you go. It's not that big, not heavy at all. Doesn't really look like much. But incredibly, this little flame of fire has the potential to burn this entire building to the ground. It's a tiny yet powerful instrument. Then the final thing that James mentions in this passage is the tongue. And so I have with me here a tongue. No, I don't have with me a tongue. (laughs) But a tongue, it's not that heavy. It doesn't look like much. But incredibly, a tongue has the potential to damage an entire environment, whether it be our schools or at home or in our workplace or at church. The tongue, it's a tiny yet powerful instrument. Well, let's continue on and let's read and see what else James has to say about the tongue. Verse 6, James says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Then he says in verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. And then James says, My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Gosh, James seems kind of upset here. What's going on? Seems like he needs to take a chill pill, doesn't it? Man, is he having a bad day? Did he wake up on the wrong side of the bed? I have my own theory. You guys want to hear my theory? Well, too bad. You guys get to hear my theory anyway. It's my sermon, so I'm going to give you my theory. And my theory is this. James was sitting on his most comfortable lazy boy chair, 
and he was enjoying game seven of the NBA finals, and he had his wonderful cup of Starbucks with him, and then it's halftime, and so he grabs his iPad, and he's getting ready to write James chapter three, when his wife walks into the room and starts yelling, yelling at him for no good reason. And so in retaliation, James decides to write about the tongue in James chapter 3. Isn't that a good, isn't that a good theory? <laughs> no, that, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> it didn't happen that way. But it, it does seem like he needs to take a happy pill, doesn't it? James is passionate here because I think James understands that nothing on earth is of greater value to God than people, than you and I. In fact, people are of such great value to God that he paid the highest price, the priceless blood of Jesus Christ. And it grieves God's heart when there's disunity and disharmony, and division, and unhealthy conflict in our relationships with one another. And nothing destroys unity faster than polluted words that come out of our mouth. And I think James understands this, and I think that's why James is fired up about this pollution of our mouth. Listen to this in Proverbs 18, 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you catch nothing else this morning, I hope you catch this. Let me say it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our tongue can choose to utter two things. Choice number one, our tongue can choose to utter death words. Choice number two, our tongue can choose to utter life words. Death words, they mean very little. And they do absolutely nothing but make other people's day worse. And God warns us over and over again not to use death words, not to gossip, not to criticize, not to judge. During the Cold War, Russia and the United States agreed that there were some types of weapons that were so destructive that they should never, ever be used. And so biological and chemical weapons were banned. And then the stockpiles of nuclear weapons were reduced, and some of them were destroyed. For the sake of the kingdom, we must destroy our nuclear stockpile of death words. And they include condemning, judging, criticizing, labeling, gossiping, insulting. These are death words that should never, ever be used because they are so destructive. You see, there is a real enemy out there and his name is Satan. And his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And his weapon of choice, the tongue. And his ammunition, death words. 
You know what happens when we gossip about another coworker, when we lash out at our spouse, when we criticize, and when we judge someone else? Let me show you. When, when we gossip, when we curse, when we use words that are damaging and destroying, what we do is we open the back door to the enemy. We open the back door and we invite the enemy in, into our homes, into our workplaces, into our schools, into our church. And then we wonder why things. And then we wonder why things are so messed up. Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. On the bright side. There's something called life words. Life words encourage and build up. Life words make people's day better. And God intends that we would be the people of God that would use life-giving words to encourage one another. A well-timed life-giving word has a, has the potential. To urge someone who wants to give up to continue going on. A well-timed, life-giving word has the potential to provide hope in an otherwise desperate situation. A well-timed, life-giving word has the power to spark passion in an otherwise passionless life. A well-timed, life-giving word. Has the potential to renew confidence when insecurities have the upper hand. As Christians, we are commanded to encourage one another with life-giving words. This past February, this past February, a bunch of us we got to run in the Great Aloha Run. And I still remember that last stretch of that eight-mile run. I was tired. I was hot. I was thirsty. I couldn't breathe. My feet were killing me, and I just wanted to stop and walk the rest of the way. And then, the the destination Aloha Stadium came into view. And then there were crowds of people that lined the streets, total strangers. And they were cheering us on. They said, "Come on, you can do it. You're almost there. Good job. Keep it up." And I was encouraged to continue on and cross that finish line. 
those life-giving words made a huge difference. But imagine, imagine if that crowd of people, that crowd of strangers, instead of yelling words of encouragement, started to yell words of discouragement. What if they yelled words like, dude, you look tired, you should just give up. Dude, you're, you're so far behind. Might as well just throw in the towel. Wouldn't that like totally break your heart? Yet, this cycle is played out over and over again. And oftentimes, we are the guilty party. We're that crowd that lines the streets. And we discourage people with our words. And we discourage them when we gossip about another co-worker, when we yell at our spouse, when we belittle our children, when we talk back to our parents, when we're rude to the cashier at the store. And James says this. He says, gosh, that tongue, it's an unruly evil. Gosh, it's so full of deadly poison. With it, we bless and worship and praise God. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the image of God. Out of this same mouth proceed this blessing and this cursing. And then he says, brothers and sisters, these things are not to be so. There is power in our words. Our words have the power to encourage or discourage. Let's clean up the environment. Let's stop using words that discourage. And instead, let's use words that encourage. There is power in our words. Our words, they have the power to bless or to curse. Let's clean up the environment. Let's stop using words that curse Instead, let's use words that bless. There is power in our words. Our words, they have the power to build up or to tear down. Let's clean up the environment. Let's stop using words that tear down. And instead, let's use words that build up. There, are, there is power in our words. Our words have the power to heal or to hurt. Let's clean up the environment. Let's stop using words that hurt. And instead, let's use words that heal. There's power in our words. Our words have the power to inspire or to dampen one's spirit. Let's clean up the environment. Let's stop using words that dampen people's spirit. And instead, let's use words that inspire. There's power in our words. Our words have the power to make another day, a person's day better or to make their day worse. Let's clean up the environment. 
Let's stop using words that make people's day worse. And let's start using words that make their day better. You see, we're all on this journey, on this great aloha run, this race, this marathon that we call life. And on, along the way, there will be friends and coworkers and family members and neighbors that feel fatigued and tired and they just want to give up. And it's in those times that we'll need to speak words of encouragement and life-giving words so that they will be encouraged to keep pushing, to keep pressing on despite fatigue, despite disappointment. There's many people in your sphere, in your circle of influence, this very day, today, that are troubled, that are tired, that are restless, that are angry at the world, angry at God, that are depressed, that are empty, many people that are worried and broken and hurt. Be gracious and generous with life-giving words. Make their day better. Amen? Let's pray, church. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we are of great value to you. Every person here is so valuable to you that you paid the highest price for us, the priceless blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we want to represent you well. And we confess that sometimes the words that come out of our mouths are damaging and destructive. And we repent and we ask for your forgiveness. And we recognize also that out of the abundance of the heart, it's the mouth that speaks. And so it's an inside job. And so we ask that you would heal our hearts. And we give you the treasure chest of our hearts. And we ask that you would take out any yuck and any junk and replace them with gems and jewels that have eternal value. And Lord, there are some here this morning that are broken, that are hurting, that are desperate, that are worried and troubled. And they need this morning an encouraging word from you. And I ask, Lord, this morning that you would speak to their hearts right now, that you would speak words of love and comfort and acceptance and healing and forgiveness. And I pray that they would receive those words and that they would walk in your freedom. Thank you again for your son, Jesus Christ. And it is him that we love. And we pray all this in his name. And all of God's people say, Amen.